The Teardown is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the race starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. I just moved to Denver, and my favorite team, the Portland Trailblazers, is coming here in a couple weeks, so I'm definitely going to be using the GameTime app for that, but you can also use it for concerts, Broadway shows, anything you want. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate, so download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with Jordan Bianchi, my co-worker at The Athletic. We hope you are all doing well and enjoying your off-season. It is uh, Champions Week in Nashville, so uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. We'll be talking a little, a little bit about what's going on in silly season, all things going on. First of all, Jordan, how was your Thanksgiving? It was wonderful. Great time spending with the family. It was so enjoyable. So glad I get those opportunities. Well, I'm so glad that you enjoyed that more than you will enjoy Christmas. <laughs> I had. To, I just... That was full of sarcasm, by the way. That was 100% full of sarcasm. Oh, oh I didn't pick up on that. I'm sorry. I, I completely missed that. Oh, no, it was, it was sarcastic, yeah. Oh. Holidays are rough. There's a reason. Thank goodness for wine. That's all I got to say. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that... Okay, see, I, I actually thought you had a good Thanksgiving, and then I was going to contrast it to your dread of Christmas, but it turns out <laughs> both of them seem headed south. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, mine mine wasn't I'm that bad. I'm just anti-holidays in general. Okay. Well, I, I had mine with the in-laws, and I still had a better time than you, so... Ooh. Um, Do you get along with your in-laws? I probably shouldn't ask you that in the public forum, but I'm yeah. going to anyway. Yeah, no, we get along. There's no there's no, okay, no issues. Yeah. They, they like me, I think, so... Unless they're, unless they're, who does not like you? Oh, there's plenty of people that don't like me, Jordan. Let's be honest. But um, no, I mean they, they, we, we do fine. We do fine. Yeah. So, well, that's good. I mean, uh, you know, I'm glad that at least you got through that and you survived. So, um, you know, who, who didn't survive that week though? I. This is a tease. That that was uh, yeah. I was yeah. It was a tease, but I, you didn't really pick up on it. So I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> The the people that didn't survive, or the what didn't survive, was the the pocketbooks, the wallets, the bank accounts of some of the backmarker teams. Uh, Jordan, we were we were busy the day before Thanksgiving, reporting a story about that. And uh, uh, man, yeah, were, were you surprised that NASCAR hands down a penalty the day before Thanksgiving, um, basically changing the outcome of the owner points and that whole thing? Um. I'm not surprised at the penalties. I'm not surprised that NASCAR did something. I mean, the audio was pretty damning. If you hear it online, um, it, it's pretty obvious what's going on. And, you know, NASCAR's hand was forced. You, you, in that situation, and, and there's obvious manipulation going on to, to help uh, a, a team achieve a financial gain, you have to do something. You know, the timing of it, you know, a couple of people were like, hey, you know, NASCAR's trying to bury this. You know, I don't get that sense. I get the sense that NASCAR completed its investigation and wanted to get it over and done with and, and get the penalties out there. And it just kind of coincided with the holidays. They didn't want to wait until Champions Week and, and kind of have that be a talk as in a week where they're trying to celebrate the, the, the good vibes of the year and, and Kyle Busch is being uh, celebrated. 
you know, yeah, I, I understand why some people may feel the way they do. I just, I don't feel personally that NASCAR is trying to, to bury this news. I think they did a very good job of leveling some very stiff penalties that sent a message that this is not going to be accepted. And if this is going to happen, there's going to be some, you know, some consequences. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I don't know about the timing as much. I mean, I, I agree with you that that's probably when it needed to be done. And they and given the scope of the investigation, that's what they had to that's what they had to do. You know, they had to interview a lot of people. And so um, I, I think that's fine. I, I really am impressed with the penalty overall because, I mean, if you think about the situation, basically Gaunt Brothers deserve to win that that money, right? The, the top non-charter team money. They got it taken away from them because um, Premium um, conspired essentially with Rick Ware Racing and Spire. Um, well, at least, you know, one, one person sort of pulled the, pulled the strings on that. One or two people. And, you know, the bottom line is they, they had to right a wrong, which is to give, give Gaunt Brothers their money. Uh, even though they weren't a full-time team, they did enough to earn that top non-charter money, and which we, we reported was uh, upwards of $150,000, which is big money to those teams, right? So, you know, uh, they had to do that. And they also had to send a message that you can't do this again. So, um, I think they they played it perfectly, you know, with the combination of the suspensions and points penalties, the financial penalties. I think it all that that was a very just penalty, in my opinion. I think they did a good job, and I think going forward, it's gonna be interesting to see if there's any follow up from this. This isn't something that's happened a lot in NASCAR over the years. I mean, obviously, in 2013 was the last time, and I thought NASCAR did a good job for the most part in, in, in punishing those that were wrong there. Um, you know, with this charter system and everything, it opens up a, an interesting discussion on, on bonus money and whether the charter system, you know, there's ways to prevent this in the charter system. And that's more of a bigger picture topic. But I think at the end of the day, I think NASCAR did what they had to do. And they sent a very clear message that this is not going to be acceptable. And if you're going to, you know, and if you're going to be as obvious about this as, as they were, as the teams were, which really to me is the baffling thing. There was, if you listen to the audio, it's clear as day what's going on. It's like, what are you doing? Like, you, you know, people are listening to this. You know, people are recording this. It's just, that to me is the most mind boggling thing of how you thought you were going to get away with this. Well, one other thing we were writing about um, the day before Thanksgiving was the Landon Castle issue. Um, here's a guy who he goes to a team that wasn't didn't have much of a track record at all. Um, and he gets in that number double zero car and he says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for a two year deal because I want to show you that I'm committed to help building this team. And I'm not just going to stay here for a year and then jump to some other team. I'm not just going to use it as a stepping board. I want to uh, help build it. So he goes into this off season and um, you know, he still has one more year left on his deal and come to find out, uh, the team says, you know what? Ah, uh, yeah. Landon, you don't bring us any money and we have some other people that could bring us money. So it's, we're, we're going to go ahead and just take some other people's money. You'll, you won't be in the car anymore. We'll still pay you. We'll still pay you. Yeah, no problem. But you're not going to be in the car anymore. We're actually going to put Quinn Huff in the car. Jordan, what do you think about this whole development? I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate the way NASCAR is compared to other sports where most other sports are performance based and if you do a good job you get rewarded and you have opportunities to uh, to better yourself and to you know go to teams and be rewarded financially and have success 
that doesn't always seem to be the case in NASCAR. And it's really frustrating because it, it seems like it's becoming more and more prevalent. This has always been a thing with racing where guys have had sponsorship and they're going to get opportunities. But it seems in, in current day modern NASCAR, this is becoming more prevalent. And it's frustrating because a guy like Landon has done a really good job with that team. Like you said, he made a lot of sacrifices. He, in a lot of ways, really selfless in putting the team before you know his own self-interest. And it looked like they were building something. And yet, at the end of the day, the team is saying, we would rather pay you not to drive because we have a driver with sponsors who's going to come in here. And you just look at that and it goes, that, that's not how this should be. It's not how NASCAR should be, and it's frustrating. And it's 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 an indictment of the system economically in that there is a lack of – there isn't as much money coming into NASCAR in terms of sponsorship dollars as there once was, and teams are now more open to taking guys with sponsorship. And this isn't just a small team thing. This happens with some of the bigger teams in, in NASCAR as well. And you look at it, and there are so many good drivers who don't have a ride or don't have a ride with a team that they probably deserve, the quality of team they deserve to be with because they don't have sponsorship. And it's just frustrating when you look around, you see some of the guys that do have full-time rides, and yet they're, you know, you look at their credentials and you say they're not worthy of that. And it's just, I don't, you know, it's part of a bigger problem that needs to be addressed, and there's a lot more, it's not easy, um, and how you fix it is certainly complicated. And, and there's so many ways that you, so many things you, different things you have to do to make it better. Um, but it just, it speaks to the current environment within the industry that is continuing to kind of fester. Yeah. And I think what really, you know, seemed to enhance this situation was the fact that he already had a, a contract. So, you know, like mm-hmm. you've seen plenty of times where um, a driver ultimately is not going to get re-signed or something because somebody else brought money. Um, that seems to be commonplace and pretty much accepted these days that if you want to ride, you're, you're going to have to bring some funding in one way or another. But um, to have a driver who already had a contract and had performed, it wasn't like he was John West Townley or something. I mean, I believe um, he had Landon Castle had the lowest crash rate in NASCAR last year. So he wasn't crashing, crashing cars. He's trying to maximize what he could um, out of, out of that and get the finishes that he could without, you know, stuffing it in the wall. He does that and he still loses his ride to a guy who um, I think has like two career lead lap finishes combined between uh, Xfinity and Cup or something like that. So I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, Quinn Huff, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll turn out to be fine, but you know, the bottom line is he certainly doesn't have the experience that, or the credentials that, that Landon had. So, um, you know, it's clearly a financial decision and that's, it's fine if the team wants to do that, but to, to have a driver who already had a contract and performed, it just, it just, it gets your attention more than, more than even some of these other ones. Um, you know, I would say it's scary that that could be a trend, but the real trend is that all these drivers are now on one year deals. So you're not really going to have multi multi-year drivers losing their rides because they're, they're not even signing them to three year deals or even two year deals in the first place anymore for the most part. So, um, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't great. Uh, on the good news for for drivers that showed talent and did uh, did well with their teams, Corey LaJoy um, announces Tuesday that he is able to retain his position in the Go Fast number thirty two. Um, he was pretty open in in talking to him for an article I put on the Athletic 
about the money that he was bringing to that. And he was trying to get enough to get that ride over other people who had money and trying to get that ride. So, um, I think it's that at least that's one positive. I mean, um, now he can position himself to, to really try to get a good ride in uh, 2021. Right. Yeah. And that's the big thing is I think Corey, Corey showed last year, he's, he's a good driver and he, you know, he was a driver used to crash a lot. You know, a lot of young drivers have that and he's overcome that. And he put together a really solid year last year, the best year that team has ever had. And it's nice to see him get rewarded and, and to come back and you know and build off of this. And he's going to have one year deal. You know, you'd like to have a little bit longer stability. But like you said, if you look at the landscape in 2021, there's going to be a lot of big rides likely open. And a guy like Corey LaJoy is, is positioning himself for those kind of opportunities. He goes out next year, has another good season, maybe even a better one than he had in, in 2019. All of a sudden, he's an attractive candidate for maybe some of these rides, and I think that's the big thing when you look at it. These guys, a lot of these guys are on one-year deals, or they have. There's a lot of drivers on expiring contracts. It's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out. But we've heard it from Corey, we've heard it from Ross Chastain, we've heard it from some other drivers of, hey, this, you know, 2020 in a lot of respects is an audition and, and making yourself known that, hey, if you're a big team out there, I'm a guy you should sign. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. But if I'm a, if I'm a team, Corey LaJoy is certainly on my radar, and it's good to see him return to a situation where, let's be honest, at some at, at different times of the, this negotiations, there was some doubt of whether he was going to return or not. So it's good to see him back on a one-year deal. It'll be interesting to see if he can build off of last year and maybe even a bigger 2020, leading to an even bigger 2021. No, I, I agree with you. And and if you even listen to uh... – Corey's podcast where he he revealed this news the Sunday Money podcast um, he even says I mean and I think he's right that there's only seven or eight drivers who have a contract for 2021 every other ride pretty much is like wide open so I, I really don't think it's hyperbole to say that next year's silly season or this this upcoming year is going to be the wildest and most eventful season of change in terms of drivers that we've ever seen i think or at least it certainly has a potential to be um i i don't know why teams would would just stay for the status quo when they can pretty much get anybody out there especially the big teams can pluck who they want and then it's going to trickle down this big game of musical chairs so um, i think it'll be very interesting to see what happens and it's it's all like you said to put yourself in position for that um so that that leaves uh as you noted on twitter um the the big ride or you know the most prominent ride left i essentially is um with front row motorsports um i talked to Mac michael mcdowell for a story on the athletic he seems to think you know he's still in a waiting game optimistic he could go back there you talked to jerry freeze from front row um you you feeling like it's going to be a, a mcdowell nemechek combo over there that's certainly my impressions. Um, Jerry, uh, general manager Jerry Freeze, had said to me that they are interested in bringing Joe ne John Hunter Nemechek back. Who he had filled in for Matt Tiff. They they like John. They think he's got some talent. Um, he's a young driver. They they tend to they tend to lean on young drivers a little bit over there, especially drivers who have some funding. And they also like Mike McDowell. And they, he told me, Jerry told me that they're working on a deal with Michael, and they like Michael because he he brings to them. He, he, uh, and a level of competitiveness on restrictor plate tracks like Talladega and Daytona and road courses, which are kinds of tracks that that team feels like can be most competitive on and, and contend for wins. They recognize that, you know, a lot of races on the mile and a half racetracks and some other tracks, 
maybe aren't best suited for them. But when it comes to Daytona and Talladega and the road courses, they feel like they can be competitive for good finishes. Michael McDowell, those are his kind of tracks, and they like the fact that he can do well there. You know, he almost he was in contention for to win the Daytona 500 this year. He's had some other top 10 finishes at Daytona and Talladega. And they feel like his veteran know-how, his experience, would be a good pairing with a rookie driver in John Hunter Nemechek. So all indications are that those are going to be the two drivers that Front Row is going to have back next year with them. And then the question is, is you know, Front Row Motorsports was a three-car team in 2019. Jerry Freeze, to me, said that it doesn't look like they're going to be three full-time cars next year from Front Row. They're going to run two cars full-time and then likely a, a third car in, in a part-time basis. Well, I don't know where that leaves Suarez now because, you know, we last talked on the podcast. We are just kind of brainstorming spots where he could go. But um, I'm not really – I don't know, man. I mean, I don't. you know, he, he clearly has money that he can bring. But when there's not a great seat to bring it to, uh, do you just try to sit out a year or run on a part-time basis in a few races? Or, I, you know, I don't know what you do if you're him. Um you know, would it be better for Suarez to just sit out and retain his reputation as a guy who um, almost made the playoffs and and had a chance to, you know, win some races? You know, ultimately came up short, but was at least competitive over the last couple of years, or or go run full time, but possibly, you know, sort of damage your reputation by not running as well. Uh, to me, if I'm him, out of sight, out of mind is not a good thing. And I think if you're away from the racetrack and you're not on the racetrack competing on a weekly basis, people tend to forget about you and people tend to forget what you're capable of. I don't think signing with a small to mid-sized team is the best course for him. I think in a lot of respects, I think, and I know he doesn't want to do this, but going down the Xfinity Series for one year, signing with, you know, Richard Childers said that they've had conversations with the Suarez camp. But let's just hypothetically say Suarez signs with Richard Childers Racing. You know you're going to have good cars there. You can win races. You can obviously contend for a championship, as Tyler Reddick proved. You go down the Xfinity Series, win a bunch of races, contend for the championship, and show people, hey, you know what? I am still a good driver. I haven't won a cup race yet. But I can win races in the Xfinity Series. I almost made the playoffs last year in the Cup Series. Just give me that opportunity with a good team, and I will get the job done. I think that's what you do. In a lot of respects, it's kind of the Corey LaJoy method, which is I'm auditioning for 2021, and I'm showing you every single week that I am a good driver who can give you, who can deliver for you. And I think sitting out doesn't send that message. And I think you need to be on the racetrack. And I know you don't want to run, you know, the second tier series. But if you're looking long term, you know, I think that's the smart play to do it. And it's going to be interesting to see if that's the avenue that Suarez ends up going. And again, I know it's something he said he doesn't really want to do. But what is the alternative? It's either sit out or run for a small team where you might get a couple good finishes here and there, but probably not. Are you go and win some races and let people know, that, hey, I'm good. I can do this. I, I don't know. I kind of disagree with you. I just feel like, you know, he's already proven himself in Cup to the to the extent that, you know, he's a top 15 driver at least, um, given the right situation. I mean, he was he mm-hmm. he didn't really have a, um, a chance to really build with a team for more than a year. So, um, and, you know, I I think that he was he's only going to get better. He has a lot of upside. And, you know, I, I guess I would almost rather be like the Carl Edwards method where you sit out and 
people just go, man, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? You know, I, I know that, you know, certainly he didn't, Suarez didn't accomplish what Carl Edwards did, but, you know, have it, have it out there. So just be like, man, who's, who's going to go get him? I mean, you know, I'm a Trailblazers fan and they just brought up Carmelo Anthony who sat out a whole year. No team would sign him. And now he just got named Western conference player of the week, scoring 20 something points a game. Um, you know, he, he's still able to do it is the bottom line, you know? And I think the same could be said for Suarez, but if you go to, you know, a bad situation, or even if you go to the Xfinity series and you don't run as well, like, let's say you get in, in, you know, in the Tyler Reddick equipment and you didn't, and you didn't win the championship like Reddick did, then, um, you know, people are like, Oh, well, so much for that. And then you're, then you're never coming up again. So I don't know. I, I just, uh, it's going to be interesting what happens with that. One thing that um, we we didn't get right, or I mean, I kind of put words in your mouth on the last podcast. I said that uh, we, you know, we were wondering what Stuart Friesen was going to do and said, you know, because he was talking about making a change. So I was thinking, oh, that, this means he's going to try to go up to Xfinity. Turns out he's just switching truck alliances, but he's now going to be in the Toyota camp getting uh, trucks from Kyle Busch Motorsports. So that should be pretty interesting, actually, because he should be able to run pretty damn well in that equipment. He will run well in that equipment. And there was some talk about Stuart Friesen, whether he was going to be back in the truck series next year. There was some, you know, he had been, had discussions uh, the last couple of years about moving to the Xfinity series and those things just didn't come to fruition. It's a good move for him. Obviously you're going to have good equipment. If you're getting it from Kyle Busch motorsports that wins a lot of races, runs up front and can contend. And for Toyota, it's a good move because it adds a second team. You know, they, they lose, they're losing David Gilliland racing. Um, David Gilliland racing is likely to move to Ford if that hasn't already been announced. And so it gives Toyota a second team to, to kind of grow with. And it's a single car, a single truck team opportunities there, maybe to expand if the, the, the funding can be there. This is good. This is what you need. If you're trying to develop guys, it's a good move all the way around. And Stuart Friesen is one of those guys that doesn't get a lot of publicity but has done a really good job of, of making the transition from dirt to, to pavement racing and made the final four this year in the truck series, won some races. Um, this looks like he's really kind of setting up a big year for him where you know, take that next step and you set yourself up with a, with a manufacturer who is obviously committed to the truck series and is willing to spend money. Um, this, could be a, this could be a very big year for Stuart Friesen. All right, uh, Jordan, before we continue on, you know um, the ad read that we've been doing in the middle of the show the last few weeks um, it's quite popular among my friends and family now. And, uh, in fact, we gathered around at Thanksgiving to listen to me read it <laughs> three times, three different members of Are you serious, three different members of my wife's family wanted to hear this because they had heard from the other family members, how good this ad read was. So, uh, maybe you should read it this week, Jordan. Would you like to, to take a crack at it? I will be happy to read it. I, you, you literally sat around the family table at Thanksgiving talking about your ad read. No, it wasn't at the table. It was it was side conversations around Thanksgiving weekend. But <laughs> there was lots of uh, laughter at my awkwardness. Um, you know, I, I I'm not saying that it's it's a laughter at the product at all because I think obviously there's a, a need for it. But people thought that I was awkward reading it. So I think you would you you should take a crack at it, Jordan. Let's see how you do this week with the with the ad read in the middle of the show. I'm happy to. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like "I lost my mojo." 
Are we avoided altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it tonight, maybe tomorrow. That's not going to work. Call Roman. It's easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. Roman is simple, safe, and discreet. Again, call Roman and have a conversation with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com slash teardown. Again, roman.com slash teardown and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Teardown to get free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Teardown for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Teardown. Well, I'm impressed, Jordan. I'm impressed. That was a very smooth, non-awkward ad read. So congrats to you for that. I hope that you've you sold somebody on that, Jordan. <laughs> I'm here to help. Well, last week you said that uh, you weren't going to participate. What changed your mind? I'm just trying to be professional. And honestly, I felt bad. I know how uncomfortable and awkward you were feeling. And I felt like, you know what? I'm a team player. If it can help alleviate the stress that you're feeling, I'll be happy to take it off your shoulders and do it for you. Well, that's just what Roman will do for those people as well, right? Take the stress off their shoulders. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Jordan... We have some other topics to talk about here, um, including Nashville. I mean, we don't happen to be in Nashville, but other people are, and they're going to be celebrating the NASCAR champion there this week. Uh, this is kind of, you know, we don't really know yet uh, how it's going to go, but, you know, do you feel like Nashville is a good city? Is it better than Vegas or New York to celebrate the Nashville champion? Or the, the NASCAR I champion? Think- <laughs> Not the Nashville champion, Jordan. Well, you, you, you could be the NASCAR champion of Nashville. Okay, I, yeah, okay. It's a lot of ends. Uh, I like it. I like Nashville. I mean, it's a great party city. There's lots to do. Um, I think moving it out of Vegas is good because there's two Vegas, there's two NASCAR weekends in Vegas now in the spring and in the fall, and, and going out there for a third time feels very redundant, and there's only so much you can do. And I, I think moving it is, is good. I think going back to New York is there's nothing in New York that's going to accomplish anything. You can do all the media stuff as Kyle Busch did this week and last week and, and still have the venue uh, at, at a more desirable location. And I think Nashville is, is a good spot for that. It saves teams. It saves the costs of having to have it fly everybody out across, halfway across the country. Nashville's close to Charlotte. I think there's some opportunity there to to build on this. And I think that you know NASCAR's roots. Are in that are in you know in Nashville? They they have a long history together, and I think this is a nice association that has the potential to be something special going forward. Yeah, I don't know, man. If they get a race there, uh, I think that's one thing. You know, like this could potentially generate enough Nashville momentum with NASCAR that you know Nashville City Council you know wants to pitch in with what Speedway Motorsports plan is or whatever, and go along with that. Maybe that sort of a bridge to getting a race but overall i mean i don't know um i personally kind of liked vegas but i say that not having been to to nashville yet 
Uh, I mean, I've been to the city, but I haven't been for the banquet. Oh, yeah. But um, I don't know. I mean, the good thing about New York and Vegas that I liked is that it was sort of like a central area. Um, everybody was together. You know, you knew all the drivers and all the executives were going to be hanging out at certain places. And you could kind of get some FaceTime with people in a relaxed setting away from the track. I mean, from a media standpoint, that was a good thing. I don't know how Nashville is going to work if they're spread out all over the city or, or whatever. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm for it, at least with country music fans. I'm personally not a country fan, so I'm not as excited about it as maybe some other people would be. But um, obviously, country music and NASCAR are very closely linked. So um, they're doing stuff at the Opry. You know, Kyle Busch briefly won a WWE title uh, Monday night and then lost it. Um, I guess that's exciting for that, you know, that crossover opportunity as well if they had um i don't know i mean i don't i don't really know what 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 is, what is best to accomplish with your champions week is it is it is it a promotion opportunity is it just about a celebration i mean what how do you see champions week being used best i, I don't know I, I mean i i honestly i'm somebody who questions whether you even need the banquet or the ceremony thing to me i don't it's not, it's very rarely the most exciting thing. I mean, a couple of years ago when Tony Stewart was retiring and the Pearl Jam lead singer, and I forget his name, I'm sorry. Eddie Vedder. Eddie, Eddie Vedder. Vedder came out. That was great. And you had Tom Cruise for Jeff Gordon. So you've got these moments occasionally that are cool, but for the most part, the whole ceremony doesn't do a whole lot for me. Seeing guys get up there and read speeches and, and thank everybody, it's not exciting. And I look at other sports and how they do it, and I think there's a – I think there's a better and different way to do this all together than this typical format that seems to have been around for decades. I don't know what that is. It just seems I'm ready for just something different. So I, I just question whether you even need this at all or you can do it in a def- different and better way. So I don't know. I would like I get what you're saying about Vegas and, and, and New York. There's exciting places and everything. But again, I just I worry about the redundancy of Vegas and getting lost a little bit and you know going out there three times a year. New York, I just I don't know if, it's a, that big of a deal where it's going to get that much attention. So Nashville seems like a good compromise. And I think you, you mentioned it is I think this is a good opportunity to maybe build some inroads. If this Nashville fairgrounds thing is ever going to happen, this is maybe, you know, you, you get NASCAR back in town in some way and you kind of get some buzz a little bit and maybe kind of, you know, build some stakes in the ground and work on getting people in the city excited about NASCAR again. Cause people in the city, you hear from a lot of folks that, you know, that's, this is not necessarily a NASCAR town anymore. So maybe big picture, you can work on kind of convincing people that NASCAR deserve, you know, should be back here and, and long-term, maybe it's got an opportunity to, to turn the Nashville fairgrounds into a NASCAR track again. So on that front, I, I think it's a good thing, but long-term, I just, I don't know. This whole thing to me just does nothing for me. I hear you, and and I think that it, it is a nice reward for the teams that have done well. Um, it's nice for the sponsors to be able to be recognized, and obviously, you know, they fly out and they're part of the week, and um, you know that means something to them. But it's it's so different now. I mean, it used to be, you know, so many industry parties and and all this stuff, and it just, you know, I I think it's getting to the point now, and I I I was strongly against this for years, but. I, I don't think it would be the worst thing if it was just in Charlotte, um, you know, at the Hall of Fame like the other ones are, you know, within a couple of years. I just think it's it's so different now. There's not a presenting sponsor. I mean, you know, Winston and, and Nextel slash Sprint used to throw big, 
bashes for the everybody you know in the industry there's not going to be a cup entitlement sponsor now so what is that going to look like in future years i don't know i just i just don't think it's it's quite as meaningful now especially for like the tv audience i mean maybe you just do like a an actual event you don't worry about the tv part of it and bringing in celebs and all that stuff i don't know but um you know one thing that will be announced at the banquet is uh the most popular driver and nascar tweeted out the top five with 24 hours to go and i thought that was kind of interesting so i want to talk about that briefly um in alphabetical order it was blaney kyle bush matt de benedetto chase elliott and martin truex jr so let's talk about first who is your most surprising among those people for me it's actually martin truex jr more than matt de benedetto just because I don't I don't think that Truex has I didn't realize he has that big of a fan base but here he is in the top 5. 100% agree. I, I mean I'm not surprised Matt's in the top 5. He's 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 very charismatic. He's you know he's kind of the underdog rocky story this year. People are excited by him. He he's been popular on on Reddit. Um, I, I would have been surprised actually if he would not had been in the top 5. I would have pegged him as one of the top 5 most popular drivers. Martin Truex Jr to me is not a guy that I expected to be in there at all. Um I I I get that he's respected and he's well liked and he's kind of got the Dale Hunter Jr. connection a little bit. I just I would never have put him in the top five, and that's not a slam or anything. It's just I was I was fully expecting. I'm surprised that Bubba Wallace Jr. is not uh, is not in that in that in that spot. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, you know, who, who's your biggest surprise? So you say Bubba. Um, let's talk about some other names who who aren't in it. I mean, Kevin Harvick not in the top five most popular. Jimmy Johnson. Um, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin. Um, you know, there's some, some fairly big names, I guess, that you would think could maybe be up there. I mean, that's not to say they're not in the top 10, but um, I don't know. For me, I guess I would think that Jimmy Johnson, maybe, you know, maybe it's just the enthusiasm for him wasn't there this year because he's sort of fallen off, so his fans weren't voting as much. But, I mean, it seems like Jimmy Johnson still has quite a fan base for the most part. So the fact that... Martin Truex Jr. gets more votes than than Jimmy to get up there in the top five. Kind of interesting, but I don't know. I mean, I think there's no doubt that Chase is still going to win it, though. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. I think this is Chase's award for the next however long he races. I, I think next year is going to be interesting with Jimmy Johnson. Does Jimmy Johnson his last year make a push? I mean, that, that, that to me is the most interesting thing is whether Jimmy Johnson can – can, can be kind of that galvanizing. People are you know sending him off in high-style um, goodbye ceremony that he's going to get next year is that that part of it that he's going to have a shot to, to win most popular driver. I don't think he will, but it, it'd be interesting to see if he makes the top five next year. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there'll definitely be a push for him. I don't know if he can win it. Um, I, I disagree with you though, like on chase being perpetually the most popular. I just don't think he's done enough, you know, to really continue that for years to come. I think it's, you know, as, as NASCAR is in a holding pattern here for the, where they make, they, they wait for the next big uh, driver to emerge, but you know, I don't know that chase is the kind of personality that's going to keep it going and keep people enthusiastic for, for a decade. So I think it's open for somebody. It's just NASCAR hasn't found that star yet. No. And I get that. I would agree with that. I, and that, that's what it comes down to, to me, is there's not one driver out there that I can look at and circle and say, you know what, I could see them winning this award. I, You know, I take that back. I think if, if Bubba Wallace started winning races on a regular basis and people really got to see his personality 
And NASCAR fans know this. We know this because we deal with him. He's very charismatic. He's got a good personality. But I think if he got more exposed on a national level um, and did a lot of crossover stuff, I think the opportunity is there for him to to maybe win the most popular driver award. But that's a big ask considering he's with a team that you know they, they struggle financially and they, they, they struggle to be competitive on a weekly basis. So I just don't see... A guy in the right situation that's out there that can that can challenge Chase right now, at least for the next couple of years. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. And we didn't even mention Kyle Larson, by the way, too, or Clint yeah. Boyer. So and a couple other guys who who weren't in the top five that perhaps could have been. Um, well, Jordan, uh, what do you have coming up? Are 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 you actually going to the former <laughs> banquet city? Yeah, someone forgot to tell me that the banquet's not in Las Vegas this year, so I'm actually headed out to Las Vegas for uh, a little vacation with some friends. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, not going to be in Nashville, but I am looking forward to being in Vegas and uh, spending my days in the sports book watching college football. That sounds nice. Well, for me, I'm going to be here in Denver for the foreseeable future as I've completed the Indianapolis, uh, New York, Bob Wedding double. Um, Had a good time there at the Pacris wedding to see the nuptials become official in Brooklyn, but I've been doing a lot of traveling for this last uh, few months, moving and all that stuff. So I'm gonna park it here for a while and uh, hang out with my baby girl. We'll still be doing plenty of stuff um, on the athletic, of course. And you know we we had a great uh, response to our Black Friday deal. That was awesome, Jordan. So yeah, awesome. Um, Thank you, guys. We got, yeah, we got a bunch of new subscribers, so excited to see some enthusiasm in our Twitter timelines for um, people excited to read our work for the first time on The Athletic, at least. So that's and cool. We should we'll say, definitely, too, yeah. for if you're a new subscriber, you're doing a Q&A this week, right? I am doing a Q&A uh, Friday, this Friday, I think at noon Eastern. So hop on there. We'll chat about anything. and uh, Well, not anything, but I mean, I guess I could... Uh, avoid questions about the ad read, although Jordan did it so well that he may have earned a permanent position there. But anyway, yes, uh, we appreciate all of you, and um, we will talk to you next week, of course, on another edition of the, ta- of the Teardown. I mean, I, I assume you'll be back, right, Jordan? Or you're not. You're I will not be back. I will uh, reca- re, uh, recap my probable losses on, in uh, gambling in Vegas on uh, college football. All right, cool. We'll talk about any news that comes out of this week from the banquet and the awards and all that stuff anything else that's popped up so until then thanks for listening and we will talk to you next time on the teardown